You're listening to Behind the Red Shield, a podcast produced by the Salvation Army of Memphis and the Mid-South. I'm your host, Camille Connor. The purpose of this podcast is to go behind the scenes and hear from the people doing the daily work to achieve the Salvation Army's mission, which is to meet human needs in his name without discrimination. In this episode, I talked with Hope Demachowski over a Zoom call this past summer. Hope is a Salvation Army National Advisory Board member and a longtime volunteer. She shared how her own upbringing led her to serve in a Salvation Army women's shelter. And she talked about the ways she's seen the Salvation Army transform lives across the nation. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the show, Hope Demchowski. Thank you so much for making time with us today to be on Behind the Red Shield podcast. How are you feeling today? I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day in Memphis. The heat finally broke, no humidity. It was a beautiful walk for lunch today. Yes, it's been a rough month for sure when it comes to the weather in Memphis. And you recently moved to Memphis, is that right? Correct. I moved here in November of last year from Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina. So you're a little bit used to the summer heat in the South, just a little bit. I'm used to the summer heat, but the humidity in Memphis is a, everybody warned me about it and I got to experience it the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's no joke. I'm from Texas, but I still feel like it's more humid in Memphis than it is in Dallas, Texas. So I'm still getting used to it. And I've been here for a couple of years, <laughs> but yeah, I just want to say thank you for joining us and you know, I just want to give people a little bit of a background about you. Um, like you said, you moved to Memphis last year. And around that time, you joined First Horizon Corporation as the senior executive vice president and chief financial officer, just to name a little bit of what you do professionally. And you also serve on the National Advisory Board for the Salvation Army. And I mean, that's just a tiny bit of what your resume looks like. You are a busy woman, right? Yes, and I also have three boys. And you have three boys on top of all of that. Where are you originally from before you um, made your way down here to Memphis? So originally from Boundbrook, New Jersey. Uh, grew up in, in Boundbrook, spent the first 27 years of my life and my career in New Jersey uh, and New York City, then moved to Winston-Salem, North Carolina about 17 years ago. Uh, was in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina for 12 years, Charlotte, North Carolina for two and a half years, and Memphis for the last nine months. Yeah, and so yeah, you've traveled quite a bit, and you know, we got to know a little bit about your journey over the years when you spoke to our advisory board um, here in Memphis during National Salvation Army Week earlier this year in May. And that was when I first met you. And I was just like really impressed by your story, as was everyone else there who was able to hear, you know, your life's journey. And so that was one of the reasons why I wanted to talk with you today, along with the fact that you are on the National Advisory Board. But I did want people to also be able to hear from you about your story because I really feel like it encompasses what the Salvation Army is all about. So first, I do want to ask, though, um, why did you agree to serve on the National Advisory Board for the Salvation Army? Oh, my gosh, it is the greatest honor of my life to have been asked to uh, serve on the Salvation Army Board. Uh, everything that you all do from homelessness, um, uh, early education, education assistance, boys and girls clubs, food pantries, the ministry. There's no other organization out there 
that helps people as much across the entire U.S. as the Salvation Army. And I was just, uh, like I said, I was blown away to be asked to even interview for the board, let alone get the opportunity to join, especially as a young woman who did not have the title I have today. Um, so it, it is it was not a decision. It was an honor to be asked. And it's an honor to serve such an amazing organization. Yeah. And I mean, you've gotten to see kind of every side of it. You know, most people might just see us at Christmas outside of stores, ringing the bell, or sometimes they might help with Angel Tree, but they might not know the depth of the services that we provide. So um, how did you come to know about the services that the Salvation Army provides? Growing up, I grew up in a poor immigrant town, so I knew a lot, both the Red Cross and the Salvation Army were very active um, in and around my community and in New Jersey, New York area. You can't go to New York City at Christmas time and not see the bell ringers. Uh, I actually just took my children to see the Rockettes last year or two years ago. And even in the Rockettes show, they have the Salvation Army on stage with the red kettle as part of their show. So it is so ingrained in that part of the U.S. Um, they just do an amazing job showing up. However, it really wasn't until um, I was working for BB&T in Winston-Salem, um, probably about 10 years ago now. And during the economic downturn in you know, 2009, 2010, our CEO came out with a program called the Lighthouse Program that asked every employee to go into our community and volunteer four hours. And each one of us were given money uh, per person to donate to the organization that we worked with. And I chose to donate my time to the Center of Hope Homeless Shelter at the Salvation Army in Winston-Salem and was absolutely blown away by the service that were being provided there in the local community, but also disheartened in how poor of shape the shelter was. It didn't have, the men only had one bathroom and it was rusted and dirty. The women's bathroom, half the showers weren't working, some of the toilets weren't working. Uh, the mattresses were ripped and just really just tore at my heart, um, having just been there for a couple hours to see that women and children, um, which is the homeless shelter that was in Winston-Salem, which were women and children, that at their lowest point in homeless, that this was the place they were going. It did not inspire hope and joy. So took a, a passion away from that to getting really involved in figuring out how we could work to turn around the local shelter's appearance, just so that when kids were coming into it and women were, they were staying there, they felt that they were in a warm, welcoming environment. And through that, I was asked to join the local board in Winston-Salem. That's so awesome. And so was there anything that you drew from your own personal life, like growing up that made you so passionate about wanting to better the lives of these women and or the lives of these people in this homeless, this, the homeless shelter where you served? Absolutely. I was raised by a single mother. She got pregnant with me in high school. I have two younger sisters. Um, so she raised three girls all on her own with only a high school education. I am very, very blessed to come from a very large Irish Catholic family that is very, very close. My mom's one of nine children and um, growing up, my aunts and uncles always showed up and, and, you know, filled the gap for us, whether it was money for to join Girl Scouts or new sneakers for the school year, um, you know, rent at times. I remember when my one aunt bought us a dishwasher. So I was so lucky and privileged to have this large family that chipped in and helped my mom do the things that um, you know, these other women don't have the opportunity to um, get advantage from. So when I, I went to the shelter, you know, as a, I guess I was probably 35, 36, I had three kids already. 
I realized that had I not had my family, this is the my mom would have had to take. And it just broke my heart to realize at that age, how close my mother could have been to needing something like that if she didn't have the support of her own family. And so, yeah, it really, really touched me um, at a much older age to realize how privileged I was um, to have that family support system and have a family that was willing and able to help us. Um, and my mom did a wonderful job. She always worked. She worked hard. But there were just times where there just wasn't enough money to go around. She lost her job numerous times when I was growing up. And so um, it's really personal for me that one, I was lucky enough because of my family that my mom never had to seek the need of a shelter, but two, realizing how close my life could have mirrored many of these women that I meet every single month in the shelter. Yeah. And was there any like story that you came across working in the shelter that just really resonated with you that sticks with you today? Oh, absolutely. So it was Christmas uh, five years ago. I had brought the company I was working for to do a Christmas event there. I tried to host monthly events there for the women and children, just kind of themed them of the end of school. We had ice cream parties for Valentine's Day, we had Valentine's Day, but we did a Christmas one brought a, a group of uh, executives from my bank in and we sang Christmas carols, carols and gave out little gift bags and then had dropped off a ton of presents um, for the mothers to choose from to give their kids later on Christmas day. And there was this one little boy down, down the, the hall, his name was Zion. He just wouldn't come out of his room. And so I went to see, you know, how he was doing. And he just, you know, he was four or five years old. I was just afraid to come out of his room. And I went in and uh, he also had a older sister named Jasmine who was nine. And I said, you know, you want to come out? Well, we're, you know, we're singing some Christmas carols. We have some gifts. And his mom said, he's scared. We've just taken four buses from Pittsburgh to get here. Um, we, you know, I left an abusive relationship and the restraining orders weren't working. They've never been here. They've never left Ohio. And this is their first time. And my heart just broke in that moment um, that these children were fleeing an abusive relationship. I'd taken four buses and I think it was about three or four days before Christmas were in a homeless shelter. Um, you know, I'd, I'd worked with so many women over the years in the homeless shelter, but they had all been from the local community. It was the first person I interacted with that literally was in the homeless shelter as far from her home as they could get to give her and her children protection. Um, and I just remember sitting in that room and talking to them about every great thing in Winston-Salem and how they were going to love Winston-Salem and all the, you know, the older daughter Jasmine's that she loved to read. I remember talking to her about the, where the library was and how we could get her a library card. And it really hit me on a whole new level is that, you know, the Salvation Army and the homeless shelters that, that they run just serve a need in ways you don't even realize you get in there and spend time with these women and hear their stories. Yeah, and you just don't realize, you know, there's no real straightforward path out of those situations. It takes time. And so, you know, these women and their children, are they're going through a lot of trauma and, you know, something as simple as sitting down and having a conversation when they're coming to a new town can really make a difference, right? I hope I did, but I, I, you know, I've left with them heavy on my heart ever since, you know, a couple of days before Christmas for four-year-old and nine-year-old child to be in a brand new environment with no friends and no family fleeing a very abusive relationship uh, just broke my heart and I think of it every single Christmas. And how do you feel that you know being involved in the Salvation Army as a volunteer and as an advisory board member how do you feel that that has impacted your faith or your spirituality? I think one of one of the greatest gifts I had was I, I was on the national board when COVID hit. I'm also um, on the investment board for the National Salvation Army. A and 
everybody was worried when COVID hit what was going to happen to the economy. The need for food just shot through the roof and, you know, the requests that were coming through to open new food banks for the Salvation Army, do drive through uh, food drives was absolutely um breathtaking and to watch the way the Salvation Army showed up to watch these um, local volunteers across the nation you know I was getting updates all the time from from the commander was amazing you know 12 15 hours straight they were handing out food and food drives and the Salvation Army had the financial means to keep funding it and to me that was such an unbelievable gift from God is to see one of those you know, immediate crises that nobody expected, the unemployment that showed up, the need for food um, was just unbelievable. But it was the combination for me of seeing the willingness of all of the people that work at the Salvation Army, all the volunteers at the Salvation Army to put their time and effort and blood and sweat, as well as see how well the Salvation Army has run their financials. You know, as a chief financial officer, I'm always trying to make sure that the books are are, are balanced and you have the income you need. And the fact that we could um, go back and, and look at some of our investment strategies and cash them out in order to fund when people needed it the most was absolutely amazing. We'd like to take a brief moment to tell our listeners about our annual Red Kettle Kickoff concert. This year's concert will be on November 13th at 5 p.m. at the Croc Community Center. Join us as we launch our Red Kettle campaign to raise funds for families in need. Get into the holiday spirit with musical performances from Stax Music Academy and experience the work of award-winning speed painter Jessica Haas as she creates an original piece live. Guests will also be welcome to refreshments following the concert and they'll get a chance to bid on Jessica Haas's paintings. Guests are also encouraged to bring a new toy with them that will go towards our Angel Tree program, which provides gifts for hardworking families facing financial hardships. You can find more info and RSVP to our Red Kettle Kickoff concert at SalvationArmyMemphis.org. Let's get back to the episode. It's two years since 2020, since the pandemic hit. What would you say that landscape and that need is like right now? Yeah, I, I think the last two years has been a roller coaster. Um, you know, originally there was huge unemployment, um, you know, a lot of food shortages. You couldn't even get food if you, if you had the ability. There was a lot of fear about going out. And once the stimulus came and the government started, you know, helping with additional unemployment checks, um, you know, I think that made a big difference and put people back on more solid ground financially. But then that helped for a while, but then the checks started running out and people started having a hard time finding jobs. Um, and now we're at the point where we, I think, started to stabilize from a unemployment standpoint. And we're dealing with record inflation that has not been seen in the U.S. in over 100 years, the highest interest rate increase in 40 years at the fastest pace. And it's putting everyone back on the defensive mode of what can I afford to do this week? What can I afford to do this month? And how does that work? Um, I just volunteered last week at Habitat for Humanity, working with women on how to do their budget and sitting with women that are trying to save to get a house from Habitat for Humanity that just buying food is 20 and 30% more expensive than it was a couple months ago. It has thrown their budgets into havoc. And of course they worry about losing their jobs because they're going to, you know, they're going to be layoffs. And so in the last two years, I think we've just ridden a roller coaster. We're not done yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to take a while to get back to normal, truly. Right. 
And I mean, it sounds like you just really do have this passion for helping women specifically and understanding and being empathetic for their situations. Um, Do you feel that that's because of your experience with your mom or why would you say that is? Absolutely. It's my experience, my mom, it's my experience growing up. It's, you know, having to worry about how we would pay medical bills when we got sick. It was, you know, having our water turned off at times, having our phone turned off. It was not having, um, you know, food in the house when we ran through our pay, my mom's paycheck and we had to wait one or two more days. You know, she never had a credit card. Um, she was really, really good with money and really tried to make it last. But um, I lived that um, that fear as a child of would we be able to pay our rent? Would we be able to have food? When, you know, would the electricity get turned off? When would we have money to turn it back on? So that, that sits with me. Um, and I've been so blessed in life to rise above that and be, you know, at 42 years old, a chief financial officer for one of the largest banks in the U.S. And I realized that so few have that opportunity to rise above those circumstances that I want to help, um, you know, everybody I can, but especially women and children continue to better their circumstance generation after generation. One of the things I've seen in a lot of the mentoring I do through different organizations, a lot of people I've talked about is when you really look at poverty, it is generational. It's generation after generation that has lived in poverty. You know, a lot of the women I work with at the shelter have been in the shelter as children. Um, But what I've seen is if you can get one to break the cycle, they help their siblings. They go back and they take care of their mother or their father or their grandparents. And so for me, it's always about how do I get these women through this cycle when they're, you know, either looking for a new home through Habitat for Humanity or they're in the homeless shelter or a mentoring through some other organizations. And then while I'm there in the shelter, how do I give these children that hope? How do I give them that hope? And I try to share my story with them so often to say, hey, you don't have to, you know, look like this and have come from a well-to-do family in middle-class America and gone to private schools in order to be an executive at a company. Um, and especially as I talk to young women, you know, in the shelter. I talk to young girls and um, I say, I'm married. I have three kids and I'm an executive at a company. It it really, um, you know, I get a lot of questions about, well, how'd you do it? And the answer is always go to college. If I had not gone to college, my life would be hundred percent different. I was blessed to have a a full scholarship to go to college. Had I not had that, I'm not sure I'd be here today. I mean, do you have any advice that you want to share now to women who might be listening to this podcast? (sighs) trust God, pray, pray, pray. I've done it throughout my entire life. Um, And the answers he gives you aren't always the ones you want. And more often than not, they're not the ones you want, but pray and listen, um, be obedient and and really uh, amazing things can happen. And the other one is, you know, I've always lived by, and my mom was great at this, even at, at, at when she didn't have money is, you know, give your blessings away. And so as much that is given of us, we're asked to give back. And whether that's time or money, you know, my mother was always wonderful about taking other people into our houses and, you know, taking care of other children who maybe had a father, but not a mother. And so she gave of her heart and she gave of money when she had it. And I think, you know, um, that's really what God calls us to do is whatever we have is find a way to give it because there's always somebody, um, no matter how you know, bad your situation is, how little you think that, you know, you have anything to give to this world. Somebody needs what you have. Um, Is there anything else that you want people to know about, you know, the Salvation Army and what the Salvation Army does and what they're all about? 
know, it's so hard to put what the Salvation Army is about into even writing because the Salvation Army does everything. One of the great things about being on the national board is our board meetings are, we do one in every district every year. So we get to go um, to all of these different sites and see what they're doing, hear about what they're doing. And what the Salvation Army does that I don't know that anybody else does, and I don't think they do, is they meet the community where they are. Whatever that community needs, the Salvation Army shows up and does, whether it's a homeless shelter, whether it's drug and rehabilitation programs, English as the second language programs, um, English um, you know, reading programs, whatever that community is, the Salvation Army does. It is a great organization where they allow the local district commanders to do what the community needs. And one of the great things we just saw, we were in uh, California for our last national board meeting and we were in Southern California and they had a kids mariachi band that was run by the Salvation Army. If you look me up on LinkedIn, you'll see I posted a video of it, but what an amazing thing in Southern California where there's such an influence in that Latino community that not only do they have a music program now, which is so big in California, they have an amazing music study that's been donated, but they went and created a mariachi band, which um, a kid's mariachi class and a, and a band that ties to these people's culture, ties to what they're passionate about. And it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. And it was just one more example of how the Salvation Army shows up for the community in the way the community needs them, not how some big national board or commander that sits in DC says, everyone must look like this. We realize every community looks different. Every community needs different things, and we allow the flexibility for you to meet the community where they are. And I just love that about the Salvation Army and love, you know, as a national board member, getting to see all across the U.S. where we're um, meeting the communities. And I'm so lucky I get to go to New Jersey. Our next one, September, is in New Jersey. So I get to go back to my home state and get to see what the Salvation Army is doing there. I can't wait to see it. That's so great. Yeah, and I agree. You know, each Salvation Army area command is different because they are trying to meet the needs of that specific community that they're in. So what you see in Memphis might be different from what you see in, you know, Kentucky. So um, it's really great to see, you know, that you've been able to see um, how the Salvation Army is really trying to meet the needs of each community. But um, I think that wraps up all the questions that I have. And, you know, I just want to say thank you so much for inspiring us and inspiring women and you know just being so passionate about helping women and helping people move their lives forward and you know not everyone goes through things and, and remembers to reach back and help the next person so I think it's amazing that you continue to do that thank you Camille it's God's calling on my life I have to give him all the credit That wraps up this week's episode of Behind the Red Shield. If you'd like to learn more about the Salvation Army of Memphis and the Mid-South, you can head to our website at SalvationArmyMemphis.org. There, you'll also find ways to get involved. We have several volunteer opportunities this holiday season, and you can sign up to be an Angel Tree volunteer or a bell ringer for our Red Kettle campaign. All the info is on our volunteer page. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Salvation Army Memphis. Don't forget to join us next week for a brand new episode. You can find it by subscribing to our Salvation Army Memphis YouTube page or subscribing to Behind the Red Shield on iTunes Podcast or Spotify. Thanks for listening.